0: I think it was when I was 13 that I finally had the, the, you know, my stepdad said, don't tell anybody about the sexual abuse or I'll kill Mm. your mother. And I believed him, but at a probably around 12, maybe 13 is when I finally got the courage enough to tell my dad. And I said, dad, please don't tell anybody, but this is what's going on. And he didn't, he didn't tell anybody he didn't do anything. And so at that moment I thought, well, I'm going to have to fend for myself. And Mm -hmm. I fought my stepfather off and I kicked him the next time he came into my bedroom. I kicked him and punched him and pulled his hair, like anything I could do. And that was the last time he touched me. Now the psychological abuse kept going on, but the,
1: he never laid a hand on me again. Major announcement time. Check this out. I'm so excited. March 7th through the 10th, 2024 out here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, There is an event called the Conscious Investor Growth Summit. And I will be one of the speakers at that event. I am so excited to be part of that and speaking alongside so many amazing speakers. Get ready to elevate your life at the Conscious Investor Growth Summit. Picture this, thought leaders, seasoned investors, world-class visionary entrepreneurs, all in one place, sharing their insights to transform your life. Don't miss out on the chance to build purposeful relationships and connect with like-minded people. Make sure that you secure your spot now because seats are limited. Go to ConsciousInvestorGrowthSummit.com. <laughs> Amber Lee, you're a peak performance coach, two-time best-selling author, inspirational TEDx speaker, your podcast, The True Grit and Grace, is ranked in the top 1% globally and so much more. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Oh,
0: my goodness. Thank you. You're really? amazing. This is such an honor to be on your show. Thank you
1: for having me. Oh, man. Uh, it's such an honor to have you on. I like to kick the show off by going back a bit. Where did you grow up and, and what was childhood like for you?
0: Well, I grew up in Texas, and we were okay. just talking before we hit record that yeah. I'm—I I lived in California for 31 years, and now I'm back in Texas. Okay. Um, and you know, we grew up where we didn't have much money. There were plenty of Christmases where. My mom would say, sorry, we don't get to do gifts this year. And thankfully, you know, I think it was the church that would leave a little box of money on our doorstep. Mm. Um, So I started working at eight years old. I started babysitting. By the time I was 13, I had a real job. Um, By the time I was in high school, I had four jobs because I grew up, you know, I had, there were five of us kids and if I wanted something I had to work for it and Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to move to California. And I think part of that was because I never felt safe at home. I was sexually abused by my stepfather. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of, uh, you know, um, the divorce was not easy. There just a lot of dysfunction. Like, you know, a lot of us grow up with that, but I just never felt safe at home. And so I lived at the dance studio and I think that's also one of the reasons I was like, as soon as I graduate high school, I am out of here. I'm going to go make something of my life. I'm getting away from addiction that I grew up with. Uh, not me at then sure. <laughs> later on in life, that was me. <laughs> but, uh, I think sometimes, you know, our pain kind of pushes us our, until our passion pulls us. And luckily I had that outlet, mm. um, of being an athlete of being a straight A student. I did things to make me feel good and, um, being a professional dancer.
1: Come on. I love that. It's so good. I think like your your podcast name is True Grit. And I think that just shows the grit that you have. Uh, you know, and we were kind of chatting before, like, you know, I grew up in the broken home as well. My parents were divorced when I was 11. I actually ended up fight my mom's boyfriend. When I was 13 years old, I hit hit him in the head twice with a cast iron pan because he was beating her up. And that just set me on a path of destruction for the next 10 years of my life. And, you know, here we are 18 years sober and 19 years, almost married to my beautiful wife now. And, you know, we're, we're changing the trajectory of the Allen tribe going forward is our goal now. So. Um, That's, I
0: mean, that is amazing. And, and, you know, I think it was when I was 13, that I finally had the the you know my stepdad said, "Don't tell anybody about the sexual abuse or I'll kill mm. your mother, and I believed him, but wow. at a probably around twelve maybe thirteen is when I finally got the courage enough to tell my dad, and I said, Dad, please don't tell anybody, but this is what's going on yeah and he didn't he didn't tell anybody he didn't do anything, oh. and so at that moment, I thought, well. I'm going to have to fend for myself. And Mm -hmm. I fought my stepfather off and I kicked him the next time he came into my bedroom, I kicked him and punched him and pulled his hair, like anything I could do. And that was the last time he touched me. Now the psychological abuse kept going on, but the, he never laid a hand on me again.
1: Wow, man. I'm proud of you to, for, for taking that action, scare. My daughter's 13. So I can't imagine being well, in that position, right? At that age, oh, man.
0: It started when I was eight. And You know, something interesting is, um, I remember when my oldest daughter was eight years old, I felt triggered all of a sudden. I'm like, why am I just really overprotective? For and it was same thing when my youngest daughter turned eight years old. And I thought, oh, where are these feelings coming from? Yeah. And it was almost like I was trying to protect the little girl, like that. how I wanted to be protected. Sure. Um, but you know, it taught me a lot. And, um, I think that's reason too, why I got into Krav Maga and we tie kickboxing and boxing and still love all those things. Come on. Uh, why well, don't do Krav Maga anymore? <laughs> but, <Yep. laughs> um, but I think it, it really inspired me to get as strong as I could mm-hmm. mentally, physically, um, emotionally, um, and not give in to, I could have turned to a lot of other things, but sure. I think that's why it's so important that our kids have outlets yeah. and know that they can improve their situation. So important there.
1: So important. I, I want to get into another part of your story that probably set you on the trajectory that you're on today, but at 38, you had this life-changing moment. Crazy story there. Can you go into what happened there uh, when you were 38 there?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll give you the the cliff notes version of it cuz I want to try to offer as much value to your amazing yeah. listeners. But yeah, you know, I had definitely been through some ups and downs and and made a life for myself in California. Um I had a successful career in dance and that turned into a successful career in the fitness industry and I was do I was sponsored by Nike um okay. doing infomercials and Uh, modeling for, you know, magazines and contributing to magazines and life was good. And I was on my way home from work on my Harley and, you know, just cruising down Ventura Boulevard in this SUV comes like flies out of a parking lot. I get T-boned and thrown 30 feet and I was sliding across the asphalt. And when I finally came to a stop, I looked down at my leg and it was completely just crumbled into pieces. And you know what, Eric, one of the first things I thought when I was laying in the street was, oh, this can't be good. I might have to train clients on crutches for a while. Like I was in excruciating pain. I was screaming out cuss words. I was like screaming out call 911. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, because I've always been the person of a, okay, what am I going to do next? How am I going to survive? And I'm like, I'm going to have to train clients on crutches. I had no idea that this was going to change my life forever. I had no idea my femoral artery was actually severed and I was bleeding out. Thankfully, wow. there was a guy that came over and he took his belt off and he made a tourniquet to around my leg and um paramedics got there. They in fact they were at the Coffee Bean down the street and they heard the accident. And they came running towards me before they even got the call. Thank, wow. I mean, everything was just like so Divinely timed, and I got taken to the hospital, and it was pretty chaotic uh news travels fast in the police and force and the brotherhood and the sisterhood of the police sure. force and and my husband was a lieutenant commander with a chP and so the whole ER was just filled with cops and I hear this wailing like this scream I'm like what where is that what is this that noise what's that coming from?" It was my husband and I'd wow. never seen him cry. I mean, him mm. being a first responder, he's a big, tough guy. I had sure. never seen him break down like this. And I yelled across the waiting room or across the ER. I was like, honey, I need you to get over here and be strong for me. Mm. Cause at that moment I thought, I think I might be dying yeah. and I need to know he's going to be able to take care of our two kids. And he held my hand. And that's the last thing I remember before they put me in induced coma and The first thing I remember when I woke up out of a coma was, um, they told me, I'm so sorry. This is, your leg is like a a war wound. There's nothing we can do for you. It's like a war wound. Um, Mm. we're going to have to amputate. You only have a 1% chance of saving it. And in that moment I thought, oh, well then 1% chance, then you're saying there's a chance there, then we need to find a doctor that that's going to save my leg And let me tell you, it took an act of God and a lot of grit. That's where the grit and grace comes in. And I got transferred to a hospital, surgery after surgery after surgery, 34 in total. They were able to piece my leg back together. And I thought the worst was over until I was diagnosed with a nerve disease as a result of the accident. And, Mm. And I share that because that's where the true journey began. That's what led me into addiction because I couldn't get out of the pain. This nerve disease is ranked highest on the pain scale. There's no known cure. And I mean, I'm still in pain every single day, but through a lot of learning uh, uh, through hitting rock bottom and climbing my way back out, I have learned how to be resilient. And so that's what I'm really passionate about sharing with others now that because I was told I'd be in a wheelchair the rest of my life and I'm planning a trip to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. My husband thinks I'm crazy, but I like a good challenge. Yeah, Maybe I am a little crazy, Hmm. but I just want people to know that, you know, our circumstances don't define us, that we get to decide what we want to do. Like, yeah, we can't control sometimes the cards we've been dealt, but we can choose how we're going to play those cards.
1: So powerful. I love that. Especially that last part there where you just talked about our circumstances don't define us. You know, and I've, I've, you know, been in kind of the podcasting coaching space for the last couple of years. And, and one thing I really love to just kind of tell people is like, look, our past and other people's opinions of us doesn't define our future. We can mm-hmm. make that change at any point. We just have to decide and then take action and go for that. What a cool thing. Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Thank you to Tracy down at Tranquil Turn Massage in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Look, my wife and I, we see Tracy and her team every single month for a couples massage, and it is the best thing. Tracy is a master massage specialist and a Hanu Ashiatsu trainer. You need to reach out to Tracy and her team. Make sure that you tell them that I sent you, and you'll get 25 bucks off your next massage. Also, while you're there, check out CDA Brows Body and Ink. Make sure to tell Tracy that I sent you, and you'll save $100 on your next tattoo, brows, and plasma tightening services. Uh, One thing when I was looking through your website, something that really caught my attention was this cool quote from your grandfather. And he said, you have a shovel in your hand. You can either lean on it and pray for a hole or start digging. Man, that is so powerful. What what kind of person was your grandfather and how did he impact your life? Uh, I get
0: emotional talking about him. He's he's the best man. Well, my husband's a real good man. He'd give you the shirt off his back. But, oh, my grandfather was such a good man, such a hard worker and mm. just taught me so much. He was, I think growing up, he was the only like really good man that I knew. And I think in today's world, there's a lot of talk about just manifest, just think about these things, just pray on it. And it's like, yeah. no, my grandfather was like, if you want something, you got to work hard for it. Yeah. Yeah. Pray. That's good hold that vision, but you've also got to decide and you got to have consistency and you got to get to work. And so I think I always looked up to him for how hard he worked, um, how he improved his, not just his life and my grandmother's life and all of our lives, but the whole town. So he lives in this town. There's 749 people that live in this town and every Christmas, He decorated the whole town with these like six foot candy canes and lights and everywhere he went, he left everybody and everywhere a better place. And so I think there's so much to that, that, um, first of all, that, yeah, you know, we, we have to work for what we want. We have to work for our dreams, but also the importance of being a good person with integrity and also leaving every person and everywhere you go a better place.
1: Yeah. Man, so cool. I I grew up. My grandparents raised me as well, and my mom and dad oh. dropped me off there a lot. And so, I was very close to my grandpa. And my my he's passed about twenty years ago now. But he was like six three, and my grandma who was like four foot eight, literally born. <laughs> I think she'll be ninety next year, and and she's my only grandfather, you know, grandparent left. And when she was born, she was born a pound and a half, and <sighs> they had her immense handkerchief. They would warm her up in the oven of the house. Just crazy. And then she'd grow up and have six kids and I'm the second oldest of 19 first cousins. So I come from a pretty large family, but here's this little lady who was like not even supposed to make it. And then did that. And just uh, grandparents are so important. Oh uh, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, it skipped a generation where my kids won't experience that with my parents or my wife's parents. But I think now it's time for my wife and I to, to change that, right? Like I yeah, said, we're, and we're here to what? change the trajectory.
0: I mean, I, I mean, I'm so grateful that I have my grandmother who's still alive. My grandfather passed away, Mm -hmm. um, about a year after my motorcycle accident. And, um, you should have seen me trying to, I was like, I am going to fly. My leg was still broken. It was, I was on crutches and I had a two-year-old at the time. And so I think how I, I really think how I broke the titanium in my leg was my two-year-old took off in the airport and it was, I just had her and I had this big backpack on that I was traveling with to try to make my grandfather's funeral. Mm. And she took off running in the airport and I threw my crutches down and started trying to go after her. And then after that, my leg <laughs> did not hold up. But wow. what I was going to say to your point about your kids, you not, not having that relationship with a grandparent, you know, being in California and so far away from my grandparent, my, my grandmother, and then my kids' grandparents we adopted uh, uh, a client of mine, actually. Um, Her name's Marilyn and Bob, we call um, Papa and and Grandma. And they were there at the hospital when my youngest daughter was born. And to this day, they are our adopted, they're my kids' adopted grandparents because, and they were there for everything. So I say find some and adopt them. That's the way to go.
1: Totally. Absolutely. So, so good. So important. We have some close friends that their, their mom lives with them and they've, we've kind of adopted her as grandma. And, and, uh, my kids love my, my grandma who's still alive. They call her little grandma cause she's four foot eight or something like that. And, you know, she's still active, runs around, plays with the kids and always traveling. So yeah, it's so important to have that grandparent person in mm-hmm. your life uh, to to be with those kids. I mean, through all of this, maintaining a positive mindset is is so crucial. And for me, it really starts in the morning. So when I wake up, I'll, I'll be 44 here in another month or so. And immediately when I open my eyes, I immediately go, God, thank you for another day. I get to see and hug and hold my family, right? And, and then I make my bed and there's two wins immediately in my mindset that I've already yeah. got. And then it's upstairs and it's prayer and it's worship. And that really sets the tone for my day. It's a non-negotiable for me. For you, what's that non-negotiable for you that kind of helps you kind of start the day off on the right foot?
0: Oh, I, I'm right there with you as far as I wake up and I pray. Well, I wake up and I pray, and every night when I, I pray throughout the day,
1: sure, yeah, and then totally. I
0: pray when I get in bed at night. But in the morning, the first thing I do because because I still have you know this incurable disease that I've tried every kind of treatment to. to I mean, every kind of treatment, um, and I'm about to try it one other treatment I'm flying to Costa Rica for, Hmm. um, but I wake up and I don't know what I did. I mean, I, I did a pretty crazy workout yesterday, but nothing, I mean, I always do kind of crazy workouts and, 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 my knee was hurting. My whole leg was flared up and I could easily get up. And th- the minute I take a step out of bed, I'm in pain and I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh gosh, am I going to be able to walk today? Wow. And, or am I going to have to use my crutches or, uh, you know, am I going to be able to work out? Like, what am I going to be? What, how bad is this pain going to get? And then immediately I shift to, you know what? I have breath. I'm mm. so grateful that I'm on my feet that I can get out of bed because for so long I was bedridden and had to use a bed couldn't even, couldn't even get up out of the bed to use the bathroom on my own. So when I go to gratitude, it immediately shifts my perspective of what I can do instead of what I can't and what I do have instead of what I don't have. And it just, it's, the best medicine. So I, yeah. I practice gratitude, I have prayer, I have several books that I read out of to start my day. And it's not like big long novels I'm talking about daily reflections or yeah. or even out of um you know the the wisdom of Sunday or I've got a whole uh bookshelf of my favorite books over here. Yeah. Um and then another non-negotiable is I have to move my body. Like I, I need to work out because Mm -hmm. it does. I think that our mind and our body, they're so connected. And when you move your body, it moves your mood and it releases endorphins and it combats pain and it builds your confidence. And so also another thing that I always tell my clients is to build your confidence. When your alarm goes off, don't hit snooze, get up because that's already keeping that promise that you made to yourself. If you make a promise that you're gonna go for a walk around the block, go for a walk around the block because that is another boost for your confidence that mm-hmm. you can trust yourself, that you can do the things that you said you were gonna do. Yeah. And so those are kind of my non-negotiables. And and then also I don't always make a recovery meeting every single day, but what helps me stay sober because if I didn't have my sobriety, I wouldn't have any of this. I wouldn't even be able to have the the honor of talking to you and being on your show. So I still go to recovery meetings and you know, some people don't understand that, but for me it's how I get to stay sober. Um, and so those are really my non-negotiables and, and reaching out to somebody and telling them how grateful I am for them yeah. and and I also have a gratitude practice. And I say mm-hmm. practice because sometimes it's not easy to be grateful when you're going through a lot, but it yeah. does shift your perspective. And I say practice because I have a group of ladies. We call ourselves the God Squad. Come on. And we have an app that we use. It's called My Spiritual Toolkit. And you can go in there and put 10 things that you're grateful for and just go send and we share our gratitude. So, it's that feeling of being connected, of um, knowing that you don't have to
1: do it alone, that has helped me through some of my darkest times. So important. And you also have a free download on your website. So the grateful uh, is it the grateful journal that you have? It,
0: well, it's a gratitude journal gratitude because journal. Yes. It, yeah. it really changed my life. And yeah. when I realized it did, was I was in the hospital and I they would come in to change my bandages every three hours. And I would just look at the clock and dread. I wouldn't sleep. I would just look at the clock and dread because they would rip these bandages off my leg. And you could literally see in the, the inside of my leg. And it was like torture. And I was watching this infomercial. There was not, not, not much on TV. And I was watching this infomercial and there was this beautiful lady running across the beach with her family chasing after her. And I was like, wow, wow are they going to amputate my leg tomorrow like what what if i can never run again what yeah. what uh, like it, i was sinking down into despair like the what ifs like what if <laughs> what if I never get over this pain? What if I, what if my husband leaves me? What if I can't chase after my kids? And then I said, stop, I've got a choice here. I can either go down that road of despair or I can choose to be grateful. And I started, I got this little notepad. I still have to this day. And I started writing down every nurse that was helping me, every doctor, every person that came in to see me, um, the people that brought flowers, the people that brought food, um, everything. And I noticed how it shifted the way that I felt. And so, After that, I started journaling every day. And part of that was because I was in a a haze too from being drugged up from surgery after surgery. I didn't want to forget anything. And so I wrote everything down and I didn't want to forget to write a thank you note. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote down everybody that came to see me and I noticed how it made me feel. It got me out of that depression.
1: Yeah. So important to be grateful for just the small things even. It's so good i want to shift things a little bit you've got an event called unstoppable life mastermind it's happening in dallas in april next year really super cool looking i'll I'll read through it about it like what will this mastermind be about like what will people take away from this
0: well i thank you so much for asking so i have a mastermind called unstoppable life mastermind and every year we put on an event. And it's called the Unstoppable Success Summit. And I've got speakers that come in from all over. Like this year, we've got John Gordon, Rudy Ricksteins, Ben Newman, um, Rachel Luna, Henry Amar. We've got a panel of speakers. And I really wanted to put something together to give people the tools, the strategies to really plan out how they can build their influence and their impact and make a bigger income and show them what's possible. And I started this mastermind, believe it or not, um it was launching on March 16th, 2020. And I remember oh, that course. date because I was launching it on my birthday. And on the 15th, they started shutting things down. And I was like, wow, this this can't be good, you know? Yeah. And and um I told my husband I said you know I'm getting ready to launch this unstoppable life mastermind tomorrow. He goes you can't launch something that's called unstoppable when the world is basically stopping. And I was like yeah I'm going to do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and come so on.
0: I still did it. Come on. So then the last time we had our event um my dog w- was in the vet. Uh, my daughter had the flu and was in urgent care. I ended up in urgent care with bronchitis and lost my voice. And the day that I was flying out for this event, my husband got scheduled for surgery. Oh my gosh! And I had a lot of people that were like, "You know what, Amberly, stay home, be with your husband. We'll take over the event. We got this. We got this." And I was like, "Because that's the kind of people they are." Yeah. Um. And my husband, bless his heart, he was like, "Amberly." This event is called Unstoppable Success Summit. You are not going to stop. You're going to go to this event. And so I have to say it was the most transformative, magical, like the Holy Spirit was there at that event. It was unbelievable. And so, you know, people are like, events are hard. I'm like, yeah, events are hard. But the reason I do them is because there is something transformative and something so magical when you can get in the room, you can make these meaningful connections. And I think that's what we need more than ever right now is real connection, like shoulder to shoulder or hand in hand, you know, lifting each other up. Connection is what we need.
1: So important. I think, you know, I, I've always kind of said this as well as like, you have to surround yourself with people that are living the life that you want to live. And if you can get around that just in person, virtually is good, but in person, that human connection, it's so important. And just being around them will lift you up. You know, Ed talks about, you know, Ed Milet talks about, yeah, Like, well, if you walk around 70 degrees, go hang around. People who are walking around at 120, right? Just being in their presence is going to lift you up. So important to get to those events and rub shoulders with people and and bring value. I always approach events like I want to see where I can bring value. Like, yeah, I'll get fed a little bit, but my goal is when I go to events, I want to be able to feed people. And uh, so oh, important,
0: yeah. You know. And that's why you know I just had a friend of mine text me yesterday, and he's like, "Well, I want to know how how are you getting all these speaking events that you are doing, and how yeah. do I I want to become a speaker?" And I was like, "Well, are you going to events? Because when yeah. one of my friends has an event." Even if I'm not speaking at it, I will buy a ticket and I will go to their event and I will say, what can I do to help? I'm here to help you. What do you, you want me to sweep the floor? Do you want me to set up in the morning? Do you want me to rub your shoulders? Like, what can I do for you? Come on. Because when you're adding value people, and I don't, and it's, I do that because I love to do that. Sure. But also you make the most meaningful connections that way. Like you never know. You, you may think you're going to an event to hear a certain speaker. And you meet somebody in the bathroom that you Mm. do a business deal with, or they become your best friend, or, I mean, it's just amazing. Proximity is power. And I think that relationships
1: are so important and success is built on relationships. So important. Some of my best friends I've met at events or I've met through podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the things that come out of just being in proximity of people is huge, um, Man, uh, so thankful that you joined me on the show today. I, I saw one post I wanted to bring up today. You posted today about push-ups and prayers. I think this is awesome. You do push-ups before <laughs> your event. This is so I cool. Do.
0: <laughs> People thought I was crazy. I remember my very first speaking event. Okay. Yeah. So my very first speaking event, I am on I'm going on stage with Jay Shetty, Mel Robbins, Lewis House. Ed Milette was there. Unbelievable. Like, the the biggest names, okay, yeah. and then there was me, and I was brand new, and no one knew who I was, and I am backstage in my skirt doing pushups. Come on, and they're looking at me, and then one girl gets her <laughs> camera out, and she's like, "Oh my god, she's doing pushups!" But now, people that know me, they just know that's what I do, and I've done that ever since I was a dancer. Before I would go on stage dancing, I would always be backstage pushing up, doing prayer, and then pushups because I used to do that before track meets because. Yeah. The prayer, I want to make sure that I'm connected with God, but the pushups, it's like, it gets me ready. And if mm. you want to boost your confidence, get down and do some push-ups. There's just something about it that's like, okay, let's go. I'm ready.
1: I love it. Oh man. <laughs> Amberly, you are such a world changer. Thank you so much for taking time oh, out of your day. I so appreciate you. you. Thank
0: you. I sure appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate it. I hope that my guest was able to bring you some amazing wisdom and knowledge to help you continue to fight for your goals, your dreams, and your purpose. If you could do me one big favor and just hit that subscribe button, I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Keep changing the world. I believe in you. Have an amazing day.